0: Let's open our Bibles this evening to Genesis chapter 31. We are now ready to consider verses 22 through 42. Genesis 31 and verses 22 to 42. And Laban was told on the third day that Jacob had fled. Then he took his brethren with him and pursued him for seven days journey. And he overtook him in the mountains of Gilead. But God had come to Laban the Syrian in a dream by night and said to him, Be careful that you speak to Jacob, neither good nor bad. So Laban overtook Jacob. Now Jacob had pitched his tent in the mountains, and Laban with his brethren pitched in the mountains of Gilead. And Laban said to Jacob, What have you done, that you have stolen away unknown to me, and carried away my daughters like captives taken with the sword? Why did you flee away secretly and steal away from me and not tell me? For I might have sent you away with joy and songs, with timbrel and harp. And you did not allow me to kiss my sons and my daughters. Now you have done foolishly in so doing. It is in my power to do you harm. But the God of your father spoke to me last night, saying, Be careful that you speak to Jacob neither good nor bad. And now you have surely gone because you greatly longed for your father's house. But why did you steal my God's? Then Jacob answered and said to Laban, Because I was afraid, for I said, Perhaps you would take your daughters from me by force. With whomever you find your gods, do not let him live. In the presence of our brethren, identify what I have of yours and take it with you. For Jacob did not know that Rachel had stolen them. And Laban went into Jacob's tent, into Leah's tent, and into the two maids' tents, but he did not find them. Then he went out of Leah's tent and entered Rachel's tent. Now Rachel had taken the household gods, put them in the camel's saddle, and sat on them. And Laban searched all about the tent, but he did not find them. And she said to her father, Let it not displease my lord that I cannot rise before you, for the manner of women is with me. And he searched, but he did not find the household idols. Then Jacob was angry and rebuked Laban. And Jacob answered and said to Laban, What is my trespass? What is my sin that you have so hotly pursued me? Although you have searched all of my things, what part of your household things have you found? Set it here before my brethren and your brethren, that they may judge between us both. These twenty years I have been with you, your ewes and your female goats have not MISCARRIED THEIR YOUNG, AND I HAVE NOT EATEN THE RAMS OF YOUR FLOCK. THAT WHICH WAS TORN BY BEASTS, I DID NOT BRING TO YOU. I BORE THE LOSS OF IT. YOU REQUIRED IT FROM MY HAND, WHETHER STOLEN BY DAY OR STOLEN BY NIGHT. THERE I WAS, IN THE DAY THE DROUGHT CONSUMED ME, AND THE FROST BY NIGHT, AND MY SLEEP DEPARTED FROM MY EYES. THUS I HAVE BEEN IN YOUR HOUSE TWENTY YEARS. I served you 14 years for your two daughters and six years for your flock. And you have changed my wages 10 times. Unless the God of my father, the God of Abraham, and the fear of Isaac had been with me, surely now you would have sent me away empty-handed. God has seen my affliction and the labor of my hands and rebuked you last night. Jacob here is leaving Laban and going back to his father in obedience to God's instruction that we had last week. And so the fact that Jacob left and was headed to the land of Canaan, back to Isaac, his father, that was an act of faith. He was obeying God's instruction. And that's that's what faith is, is to believe what God says and, and to obey it. And so that was certainly an act of faith. But as we mentioned last week, how he left, and as we read in this passage, uh, he was afraid. And of course, fear and faith are opposites. And so in this particular aspect of of Jacob's, how Jacob left, it it was not an an act of faith. And we often see that to be the case uh, when in our own lives, that there are certain areas where we tend to trust God. And then there are other areas where that, that fear just overwhelms us and causes us to do things that are, are contrary to his will rather than just trusting the Lord. But we see here in this passage that, that Laban tries to take the high road. God allows Laban to overtake Jacob. And once again, we have to kind of put all this in perspective when we talk about a life of faith and God's promises to Jacob. God promised to bless Jacob and to protect him. And yet, that same God allows many injustices to occur in in Jacob's life, and God allows Laban to overtake Jacob. But all of this, of course, is with, with a purpose. God rules, and he overrules in our life. It's always best to let him rule, let him direct us, rather than us making our own decisions based on our own wisdom and understanding. Go to his word. And the very bold outline that we have for all of us in the Word of God, we need to follow that and then daily call upon the Lord for for direction for those specific details of our life that that aren't spelled out for us in Scripture, but to be sensitive to the voice of the Holy Spirit, spend time in prayer and, and seeking the will of God. But Laban catches up with Jacob and he tries to take the high road. He says, why did you run off like you did? If you would have told me you wanted to go back, I would have thrown a lavish party for you. Laban is quite the politician here. He would not have done that. He was jealous of Jacob. And when it talks about Laban changing Jacob's wages ten times, there are times, uh, several times in Scripture where that phrase ten times is just a reference to a lot of times, uh, a complete amount of times, and it's possible that's how the phrase is used here. I, I almost, my, my personal conviction is that he literally changed it ten times because Jacob begins to list how he changed the wages that he was promised, and Laban and his sons thought that that uh, Jacob was making Laban poor because Jacob's flock was growing so much. But Laban didn't lose anything. In fact, we see here that, that Jacob said that he continued to care for Laban's flocks and that any losses, if the, if the sheep miscarried, that was that was on Jacob. That wasn't on Laban. And if they were stolen or if some beast took them at night, Jacob absorbed the cost of it and so Jacob says Laban you know you wouldn't you wouldn't have sent me away with a lavish party going away party you would have sent me away with nothing and and that is the character that we see with Laban and notice that Laban refers to the god of Jacob's father so clearly and I've I've had this question before it was Laban when his family were they believers in in Jehovah and they certainly knew Jehovah because of Abraham and because of Jacob. And they had a certain fear, but they were not followers. And the fact that, that he had idols, that Laban had idols, proves that he was still an idolater. So he, he, he didn't have any faith in, in Jehovah like, like Jacob. And Laban pretends, because Jacob fled like he did, and then under the suspicion that he had stolen his household idols, Laban pretends to have the right to, to punish Jacob any way he wants, so he can do anything he wants. And he would have done that, except for God somehow. We don't know how he spoke to Laban, but somehow God made it clear, you do not touch Jacob. You don't speak good or bad about him. You just let him go. And that seemed to be very clear to Laban. Uh, however, God communicated that to him. And in verse thirty one uh, of what we read there, thirty one and verse thirty one, chapter thirty one, verse thirty one, when Laban asked, "Why did you run away like that?" And Jacob clearly says, "Because I was afraid." So we once again see this mixture of faith and fear. Jacob wasn't perfect, his faith was growing, his faith was maturing, and we should take encouragement from that that. We shouldn't be under the the misconception that once you're saved then you automatically always do what's right and you always walk by faith. This life of faith is a process and we should continue to grow in that process. Our faith should continue to grow and we should learn from the lessons that the experiences that we experience and when we fail to live by faith, we should continue to live, continue to grow in our faith. But not to become discouraged when we fall short of that, but return to that walk of faith. And this is what we see Jacob again trying to learn this lesson. Laban, I don't know whether it's a pretense or whether it's the main reason that he uh, ran after Jacob, was these household gods, or teraphim as they're known. It's not clear why Rachel stole them. It could have a double meaning. It could be just the value of them. They were probably gold or silver. We already know that Rachel and Leah felt like Laban had cheated them of their inheritance. And so it might have been that just the value of those things, not so much a point of idolatry for Rachel. Later we'll find out that that she certainly expresses her faith in Jehovah. So I don't think it was for Idolatrous reasons, but probably just for the very wealth of them, and also the symbolism of them, because in that culture, whoever possessed these household family gods, idols, that represented that they were the ones that were to receive the full inheritance of the family. And so again, it might have been just a a symbolism for Rachel you cheated us, Dad. And and now I, I'm taking my revenge on you. No matter what the reason that she took them, it was a rash decision. It was not wise. It was not a decision of faith. And it put her and her whole family, all of Jacob's family, in danger. Because Laban at that point did have legitimate right to punish the one and, in fact, Jacob said, <laughs> "Whoever has him, if somebody stole him among us, because he didn't know Rachel had, take him. Kill him." That's fine, you have every right. Because Jacob, his conscience, was clear. In First Peter five and verses five to 11, we need to learn this lesson, that it's never a good idea to seek or demand justice in your life, to seek revenge in any situation. And this, of course, is our tendency. This is our, our nature, that if someone hurts us, that we want to get back at them. That's just, that's just the fallen nature of Adam that we inherited. But as a child of God and one who trusts God, we should never take these matters in our own hands. We should go to the God who is the judge of heaven and earth. And he, he'll take care of us. He's promised to take care of us, but he'll also take care of those who mistreat us in his time and his way. And if we truly are have a heart after God's own heart, we'll want that whoever mistreats us and treats us unjustly, we, we will want them to know the mercy of God that will change and transform them. We shouldn't want revenge on them anyway. And so we should desire God's best for them. But even if they don't accept the grace of God in this lifetime, the righteous God will will deal with them. You don't have to. And so we shouldn't do what Rachel did in this case, and to somehow seek her own advantage and to seek her own revenge. In 1 Peter 5, let's read 1 Peter 5 and verses 5 to 11, where it says, Likewise, you younger people, submit yourself to your elders. Yes, all of you be submissive to one another and be clothed with what? Humility. Seeking and demanding humility justice and seeking revenge is not humility it's the opposite of humility i don't deserve to be treated this way i deserve justice it's we call it justice but but for a christian that's an attitude of arrogance but we should humble ourselves for god resists the proud and gives grace to the humble Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. Who will exalt you? God, the just one, casting all your care upon him for he cares for you. That's the secret. So you don't sit around, feel sorry for yourself. You don't complain. You don't try to take things in your own hands. You cast that care and that anxiety and that fear upon the Lord, knowing that he will take care of the situation. But we have to do our part cast your cares upon him be sober be vigilant because your adversary the devil walks about like a roaring lion seeking who may he may devour he wants to use these experiences that we have in life of being mistreated and misunderstood and the injustices of life he wants to use satan wants to use those things to distract us from doing the will of god from being an example of the grace of god and so don't don't Be fooled. Be vigilant. Know that that's what Satan wants to do in that situation. Resist him. Well, how do we resist Satan? He's so strong. He's so um, astute. How do we resist him? Steadfast in the faith. By continuing to believe that God's ways are best, that his instructions are wise. And if you dedicate yourself to doing the will of God, Walking and living by faith, trusting Him to guide you, to protect you, Satan's purposes will have absolutely no lasting impact on you. They cannot annul God's promises to you. God fulfilled all of His promises to Jacob, despite Laban's schemes, despite how he mistreated Jacob. God still did what He said He would do, and He'll do the same in you, with you, and in, in your life. Resist. Satan, steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. You think your problems are the only ones. You think you're the only one that has big problems. You're not. Sometimes we have those pity parties, and, and the, again, I I know how to throw those parties. And the, the Holy Spirit is so faithful to say, do you think you're the only one? There are others that have gone through the same things And even worse, and I have shown myself faithful to them. Trust me. But may the God of all grace who called us to his eternal glory. What's he called us to? Has he called us to being mistreated? Has he called us to pain and suffering? No, he's called us to eternal glory by Christ Jesus. After you have suffered a while. This is where so many who try to teach faith today miss it. They say that if you have faith, you'll never have a problem because God will do what you say when you say it. If you have faith, you'll never have a trial. Nobody will ever mistreat you because you have faith. That's a lie. That's not the gospel. The Bible says after you have suffered a while, Jacob suffered. After you have suffered a while, perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you to him, to God be the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. So in these very real experiences that we read of Jacob and Rachel and Jacob's family, there are lessons here for us to apply to our life and our experiences. But we can't just read them and and go unchanged by them. We shouldn't take matters into our own hands. Trust the Lord. By the time we get to verse 36 of 31, Jacob grows tired of Laban's act of piety. Remember, Laban tried to take this high road. Why did you run off like you did? And why did you steal my idols? I I have a moral right to punish you. But Jacob begins to expose publicly because all of the other family, remember all of Laban's family, was Jacob's family too? They're, these are—they're all related—and so Jacob begins to publicly expose the deceit and the dishonesty of Laban, because the others were just hearing rumors. Well, this is, Jacob stole this, and Jacob stole that. So Jacob begins to expose all that Laban has has done. Jacob served Laban faithfully for twenty years, and. He served him with such integrity that he always went above and beyond the call of duty. And Laban repaid Jacob's loyalty with treachery and deceit and abuse. If he said that all of the, all of the striped sheep are yours, and then if, when the striped sheep just began to increase in number, then Laban would say, no, no, uh, the, the gray ones are yours. The other, these are mine. And, and that went on for, whether literally 10 times, but a number of, of times. He kept changing, and, and this was all fact that exposed Laban's deceit. And so once Laban began to realize that others were going to see the, the reality of, of Laban's deceit, once again he tries to take the moral high ground and he comes up with a solution. Okay, let's let's be at peace. I think we'll stop there rather than go into the next passage chapter thirty one. But we're going to find out that Laban it's not really a peace treaty, but it's more of a, a truce. And there are boundaries set and I won't attack you, you don't attack me. And we'll we'll see how that that goes, Lord willing next week.